Good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm super excited about sharing this word this morning, and it is something that we've talked about before, but already I can see that God is speaking in our service. I haven't heard that song, Heart of Worship, for so long, (laughs) and this morning I'm talking about worship. I want to talk about worship, and so when you guys started singing that song, I'm like, thank you, God. Yes, what a great reminder, and then we hear from Neil about worshiping God through serving other people. And we hear from Dee about worshiping God through connecting with other people. And so I'm really excited and I hope you are too about what God's going to speak this morning because I think it's important for us. Is everyone all right? Have a stretch if you want to. Husbands can use this opportunity to put your arm around your wife if you want to do that. (laughs) So three thoughts this morning. The first one is what is worship? The second one is, how do we still worship when life is difficult? And the third one is, who is on the throne of our heart? And they're the things I want to talk about this morning. So what is worship? Most often we think of worship when we, in this context, don't we? We come into church, we sing songs together. And that's good, and that is worship. But that's only one expression of worship to God, is that we sing songs together. And I love it. Do you love it? team did so great this morning. Um, so singing and playing instruments and clapping our hands and all of those things, they are expressions of worship, but not the only expression of worship. In fact, I've been reading a book. Has anyone read the book, How to Worship a King? It's by Zach Neese. If you haven't read it, you should read it. It's really, it's really interesting. And he sets a foundation for, um, church music, basically, historically, the journey that that has been on. And actually, when we started writing hymns, do you have a favorite hymn? That you just, it speaks to you, you just love it. And for you, that's the hymn you, that you always go to in your quiet time or whatever it is. You might be surprised to know that those hymns, those kinds of hymns, were most often written um, when the average person didn't have access to a Bible. And so they would write hymns like this, firstly, to teach doctrine, sound doctrine, and secondly, to help you remember it. And most often they were put to the tune of pub songs of the day. Isn't that cool? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> so we can't, we can't be too precious, can we? Because even the hymns that we, that we think are pure and sacred and holy, and they are, were also pub songs at one point in time, which I think is awesome. So what is worship then? We're just going to look to the screen for a moment. Thanks, guys. Worship is the offering of your body. To the Lord, the spiritual service of worship is the offering. Well, worship is what we do when we see who, who God is. Of course, we're only ever going to see a little glimpse of that. But uh, the greatest revelation is in, in Jesus Christ. And the more we see of him, the more it, it evokes worship and draws out uh, really what we're created for, to, to love God. Worship is overcoming that which prevents us from giving glory to God, which is exactly what he made us to do. To me, I think worship is just living for something more than yourself. To me, it's like an, an opening of your hands, an opening of your heart. Yeah, everyone worships something, or we worship someone. I think worship is embracing what God has done for you and offering it back. Recognizing that God is greater than I am. I am. Doing whatever it is you're created for and, and kind of discovering um, that that purpose in your life. Doing it to the best of your ability. It's not really something you do, more like something that you are. 
maybe that is music, but I don't think it is specific to music. I think worship is a way of life. It could be art or accounting or whatever it is. I think living in that outdoor and doing it the best you can unto the Lord. Worship is the orientation of yourself to something else. And hence, Christian worship is the orientation of yourself to God. Um, to me, I think worship is just your day-to-day -day walk and everything you do, whatever your job is, just doing it unto God. Uh, worship to me is about sacrifice. It's about giving a life to God. It's about obedience. It's, it's the connection with God and, and kind of doing the things that honor, honors Him, you know. Worship to me is giving God His worth and I believe He's worthy. So therefore it leads to an abandoned lifestyle, abandoned lifestyle to worship Him. He's the focus of everything. Just something that shows a human connection that actually goes up to God, I think, and, and God can see it as pleasing. I think worship is uh, the response of the heart and the mind and, and the spirit to God's amazing revelation of who Jesus is. We sing songs, recognize that we're singing about Him. When we write songs, we are writing songs about Him. Worship can either be a very big subject or a very small one, I think. For me, I always remember Colossians 3.23, which says, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart, as if working for the Lord, and not for men. Worship songs are songs that point towards Him. Worship life, a life that points towards Him. Whatever it is we're doing, we do it for God, and that's worship. That's what I think worship is all about. Some good thoughts, hey? I love how he said a worship song and then he talked about a worship life. That's a great thought. If you've got your Bibles, let's look at Romans 12 together. And this is probably something that you've read a million times and we're just going to look at it again this morning. Romans 12 verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is your spiritual act of worship. The King James Version says your reasonable act of worship. And, and from the Greek, that, that word reasonable is, is more like logical, logikos. So that's where we get our English word, logical. Because it is logical, isn't it, that after God would send a global rescue plan in Jesus, right, to include all people, to draw all people to him, to save all people from all sin, it is logical that there would be a response from us that would require worship, yeah? Yeah. So already in these three versions, that, oh, I'll read the message to you as well. I think it's really good. If you've got it on the screen, you can pop it up. Thanks, Leash. Um, this is what the message says. It says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. I might just stop there for one quick moment. I love that God has done all this amazing stuff for us and he's redeemed our life and he's forgiven our sin and he's given us eternal life. And he still says to us, I'll help you worship me. <laughs> he still helps us in our response to him. Isn't that incredible? So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. 
Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you. I love this. And quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. And I love this next bit. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you do not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing the goodness to God. No, God is bringing it all to you. How good is that? That's good. So these three versions that we've just read, we understand that worship is spiritual, it's reasonable or logical, and it's the best thing that we can do. It's worth noting that in the Old Testament, worship often was um, associated with sacrifice. So it meant that something had to die. And what I love about, you know, just Jesus and that God would come close to us is that now something that was associated with death is now associated with life. And not just like life for us, abundant life for us, because who knows when we live God's way, the life, the life for us, we benefit. It's not just we're, we're giving worship to him, but it benefits us as well. I think that's really awesome. When we understand that living every day as unto the Lord is important, we don't, won't just live for the weekend. Have you ever said, oh, I can't wait for Sunday. I can't wait to go to church on Sunday. I can't wait for worship on Sunday. But that's not it, is it? We don't need to wait to worship on Sunday because when we live for the Lord, we worship him every day with our actions, with our life. So every day means something and we don't need to feel bad if we're not at home singing songs by ourselves because God is so big and so worship is so broad that everything we do unto him, to him, for him becomes worship. So can you teach a class as unto the Lord? Can you make a family dinner unto the Lord? Can you play your instrument unto the Lord? Can you write music or fix cars or make good investments or visit someone in their home or ride a motorbike or walk in the forest or encourage someone with words or lead a staff meeting or study for an exam or look after your body or honour your mean boss or write a financial report? Anything we do... Unto the Lord, this is our reasonable, our spiritual worship. Responding God, responding to God in any other way, I think, than to offer our lives in worship to Him, it's it's a little bit like it's a little bit like if I gave Rhett two thousand dollars. I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> if I gave Rhett two thousand dollars, right, and then later on that day. I realise, oh, I left my wallet at home and I say to Rhett, hey, Rhett, I, can I just borrow $20? And he goes, yeah, nah. What? <laughs> Wouldn't that be unreasonable? And so we can look at it like this with God in the picture, that God has given us and offered us and redeemed us. He's given us so much. And all that he asks of us is that we live our lives with him as a priority like Dee was talking about. And this is that act of worship to him. And that's a reasonable response, isn't it? A logical response to his mercy. So then, anything we do is worship. Anything that we do unto the Lord is worship. So let's make a shift in our minds today from singing to living, to living. Our living life is worship, is our worship. And maybe a good question to ask ourselves too is, 
what is the quality of my worship? But we'll move on because that's a bit confronting. But it's a good question to ask yourself. I know we're running a little bit short for time, so I'll go as quick as I can. So number two, can we still worship when life is painful? If you are living, chances are you have experienced pain in your life, yeah? I have. Worship is easy when life is easy, but worship is a sacrifice when life is not easy. And there seems to be a blockage that happens and a difficulty in pain that becomes a less than helpful lens to look at life through. And sometimes it blocks the flow of worship that God in his grace and his mercy still deserves from us. So what was once worship? Raising our children unto the Lord. Scientific research unto the Lord. Creative writing unto the Lord. All of these things become obligation and we don't do these things unto the Lord because we're in pain or we're not even doing them at all. Has anyone been there? I have. I, um, I'm really glad that Isaac went to kids' church today because I wanted to tell you a story about him and I knew he probably wouldn't appreciate it if he was in here. I just remember one time he was, um, the kids were outside riding their bikes and um, we heard, you know how you, you hear the scream first, right? Parents, you hear the crying first. You don't rush straight away, you listen to see. No, this is just me. Okay. Listening. We're listening to see. Is the crying going to stop? Is everything okay? Are they just going to get, you know, get on, get back on with it? And um, anyway, Joseph runs into the kitchen and Andrew and I are having a cup of tea and he says, um, Isaac's fallen off his bike and there's blood everywhere. Now my children exaggerate. So we weren't like rushing out. We're like, okay, okay, we'll be there in a minute. So I, Joseph runs back out to Isaac and Isaac comes back in the door. Not even kidding, there is blood dripping down his leg. <laughs> He's like just torn up one of his knees. And so Andrew is very good in emergency situations. He's so calm. He's so calm. It's awesome. And so Andrew just picks the whole kid up and puts him on the uh, the kitchen bench. We just like move the toaster over, put the kid there. And um, there's blood everywhere. And so Andrew's like trying to hold him down while I'm trying to like wipe all the blood off his leg, right? So this is the situation. This is what is happening. <laughs> and I don't know why, and I was going to ask Matthew Andronicus, maybe he knows why, and I'll ask you later, Matt. Um, I don't know if it was the shock or if it was the pain that he was experiencing. I'm not making this up. He started talking in an American accent. <laughs> we were laughing. <laughs> It was the weirdest thing. He was saying, it hurts so much. We're like, what? Who are you? How funny. And so obviously there is a correlation between what was happening to him and what was coming out of his mouth (laughs) because he was in so much pain. It hurts so much. And we still tease him about it. He doesn't like it. So no one say anything, okay? (laughs) What's in the auditorium stays in the auditorium. Anyway, what I took from that is that pain affects our worship because life, after all, is our worship. And I just remember Isaac laying on the bench and these things coming out of his mouth that don't normally come out of his mouth. And it just made me think of us. When we are in pain, when we're in emotional pain, when something's going on in our life, sometimes that pain causes things to come out of us that probably wouldn't normally. (laughs) Sometimes it's a surprise to us, isn't it? Or sometimes when we're in pain... We can keep saying the same things. We, we trust you, God. You are faithful, God. 
Um, all things work together for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. We can still say all these things, but there's like an accent of fear or there's like an accent of doubt, just like what happened with Isaac on the bench that day. Secondly, I think when we're in pain, when our pain doesn't match the reality of who we think God is or what we think the word of God says, that can also allow doubt into our lives, can't it? And thirdly, it places emotions, pain places emotions on the throne of our heart where God should be. And I was talking to someone (laughs) recently about this, someone older and wiser and, you know, more wonderful than me. And um, she was telling me all of these difficult things that had happened in her life over the last, you know, 12 months, like really hard things, you know. And, um, And so she tells me all of these things and how difficult it was. And then she says, but Jesus still died for me. He still died for me. (laughs) And I wanted to hug her and punch her in the face at the same time. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Man, (laughs) but wouldn't that be a godly and noble goal to just have an attitude of, God, I don't want to allow my pain to stop me from giving you the worship that you deserve don't want to allow my pain to stop me from serving you, God, because you're worthy. Let's look for a moment at Psalm 118 if you have your Bible. I remember my nan used to sing this all the time. You might notice the like anger and bitterness in the tone of my voice right now because I would say things to my nan like, oh, I'm not feeling that good or I'm feeling disappointed and she'd start singing the part of this psalm which some of you might remember. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord had... No, don't sing it. Oh, my goodness. And, and you know, like, nan, my birthday party got cancelled. I'm nine. That the Lord has made, we will rejoice. Oh, oh. can you roll your eyes with me for a second? Man, let's read that psalm together. So Psalm 118, I'm just going to skip a little bit through it, so um, we won't worry about the screen, but it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. Verse 5 says, In my anguish I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me by setting me free. The Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me, he is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. Verse 8 says, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in men. Verse 13 says, I was pushed back and I was about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. Verse 17 says, I will not die, but live and proclaim what the Lord has done. Verse 19 says, open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. And verse 22, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Some of you might have heard cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, a good reading of that verse 24, this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. It could be, a good reading would be the acknowledgement that today, this day, that we are living in right now, God has made this. We can be grateful. I have food to eat. I have a house to live in. I have friends who love me. I'm alive. I'm healthy. All of these things. And that would be a good reading of that verse. 
But I was really interested to find out that um, when the psalmist actually wrote this verse, he wasn't talking about the day that he was currently in. He was talking about what had been prophesied about Jesus, the cornerstone, the stone the builders rejected. And so the psalmist in this, in this passage we just read is looking forward to the day that the Lord has made. And that day was the death and resurrection of Jesus. How cool is that? How amazing. The psalmist writes this looking forward to the greatest act of God on our behalf. When Jesus died and rose again for us, that day, that's the day that the Lord has made that we rejoice and be glad in. So what does that mean for you and I? It means that because of that day, because of that day when Jesus intervened on our behalf, this day, today, that we are living in now, whether it's good or bad or otherwise, this is a day where we have forgiveness for our sin. This is a day where we have grace on offer to help us in our time of need. This is a day where we know Jesus, the fullness of God who understands our weakness. We get to know and experience the Holy Spirit. This is a day where our eternity is secure. What? Amazing. This is a day where we have someone who will never leave us or forsake us, completely reliable and completely steadfast in everything when everyone else is not. This is the day that the Lord has made. How incredible. So this doesn't mean that we don't feel things, but it just means that because of of God's mercy toward us, when life is hard, we have fuel then or an amazing reason then to continue to live a life as unto the Lord, even when it hurts, even when we're in pain. Because here's what I've learned, and this is so important. Here's what I've learned in the last couple of years. Experiencing pain and having strong faith in God are not mutually exclusive. Experiencing pain and living a life of worship are not mutually exclusive. Don't let anyone tell you that because life is hard that God isn't real or that he isn't good. (laughs) He is in the real with you. Being sad doesn't mean that you're doubting your faith. Worship then, despite our pain, means we continue with our broken parts to live a life that still honours the Lord, still raising our children, still working at our jobs, still leading our team, still serving at church, whatever it is for you, as unto the Lord. This is our worship. And maybe also you might need to ask for help. (laughs) Because being wise and not allowing pride to stop us from asking for the help that we need. That is also wise, isn't it? (laughs) That is worship. Also unto the Lord. So third thought, who is on the throne of our heart? Who knows that whatever or whoever is sitting on the throne of our heart, that's where our worship goes. That's who or what gets our worship. Have you heard this expression before, this this, um, image before? So let me tell you a story. At our house, I want to talk about our lounge situation. In our lounge room, we have a two-seater lounge and a three-seater lounge. There are six people in our family. So this is problematic at movie night or any other night, actually. (laughs) Any other night of the week where we all want to sit down in the lounge room together. So what will happen is we will all go find a seat on the lounge except for that one person. 
And, you know, <laughs> they have to make the tea and all of those other things. But what happens is if anyone, if anyone gets up to go to the toilet, if anyone gets up to go get a blanket, that free seat is like, it belongs to anyone. Like whoever gets there first. Has anyone experienced anything like that? It is chaos and it causes the ungodly things in our heart to come out. I'm just, it's crazy in our lounge room. Sometimes people end up sitting on other people and laying across other people. And, but that's another story. But this, this picture to me is helpful because we have a throne, the throne of our heart, right? And I think that sometimes when we don't ensure that God is there, that Jesus is on the throne of our heart, other things can take that place just like when so-and-so goes to get a blanket and someone else jumps in their place that can happen to us that can happen in our heart and so God's been talking to me about what is what is common and how in our culture what is common becomes normal and then what is normal becomes acceptable and as someone who loves God I want to be Christ-like and it is our mission isn't it that we emulate what God is like, what Jesus is like to the world. If we want to represent God well in the world, God has been challenging me about what is unholy and how it becomes acceptable in my life because it is common. So complaining is common. (laughs) Dishonouring leaders is common. Just doing a good enough job, that's pretty common in Australia. Not being accountable for our thoughts or where we would direct our attention, that is super common. People pleasing, common. Cheating and lying, common. <laughs> Eating too much junk food, common. Allowing kids to get away with too much, common. Comparison, common. All of these things are common. And I think that we could, I think a facet of this could be summed up in this thought that who or what I'm opening up the throne of my heart to. That, that's where my worship goes. Am I allowing someone else to take his place in my heart? So all of these other things can take his place, can't they? Yeah. Um, so I'm a real person. Are you? So when I tell you a real person story about my real life, we will all really relate, okay? <laughs> Judging is common. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> So at the end of last year, I was just sitting outside doing some reading for college and, um, you know, just read. it wasn't even, I wasn't reading anything related to what I was about to hear. I was just reading and, and I heard, felt the Holy Spirit say, um, don't make marriage an idol. And I was like, what? I don't do that. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I don't do that. Marriage is an idol, isn't an idol for me. Get behind me, Satan, you know. And I, I just kept on reading and I just didn't think about it again. And um, a little while after that, from that point, until now really, a bunch of crazy stuff has happened in our lives. Good things and bad things. But it made me realise that Andy is not perfect. I know, that was my response. I Really? Like, are you as shocked right now as I was? I was like, are you kidding me? He's loved me so well. How is he not perfect? How are you not perfect? This is what I thought. Unknowingly, though, hey, unknowingly, 
But he's loved me so well. FYI, he's a solid 99%. I just want you all to know that. A much higher percentage than myself. But the fact that he isn't perfect and wasn't perfect, it actually deeply hurt me. (laughs) And I had to ask myself, why? Why is that? And so hear me out because this is really important. I'm just going to read it as it is because I think it's important for most of us. Because of our expectation of perfection from people who love us, we create the opportunity for hurt to multiply. Not because our people aren't good people, but because we have put them on the throne of our heart where only God should be. And this is a hard lesson and a beautiful lesson. And Maybe it's our job or our money or our kids or our church or our leader, whatever it is that we make an idol of. But no one else and nothing else fits this place where God should be on the throne of our heart. Those things are called idols. In the Old Testament, we see people making physical idols, don't we? With their own hands, out of their own stuff. (laughs) It sounds just crazy and ridiculous, doesn't it, that they would worship something that they had made. But I wonder in 2019, do we still do that? Do we still make ourselves idols? (laughs) And I don't mean big giant statues, but I mean, what do we allow to to be sitting on the throne of our heart where only God should be? Maybe it is comparison. Maybe it is, who knows, you know what it is. You know what it is for you already, I'm sure. So we need to ask ourselves, are we still doing that? Because there's no adequate substitute for knowing the Lord. There's not. You can try them all if you want. I'm just telling you now there's not. (laughs) Everything else is changeable. Might get Kesha to come. And that's not a terrible thing that everything else is fallible and everything else is changeable. It just means that we need to learn how to place our trust well. We need to learn that God is the one that we trust. God is the one we run to. God is our firm foundation. We need to guard the throne of our heart well. 1 Peter 5.15, which Dee actually already read this morning, it says, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray together. I'm super excited as I wonder what our life might be and what our church might be when we just decide not to limit worship to a song, when we just decide that we can still offer worship when life is difficult because God is still good and when we consistently choose Jesus to be on the throne of our heart above everything else. Let's pray together. If you want to lift your hands, you can do whatever you need to do before the Lord this morning. God, we just say we're so sorry for replacing you with lesser things. God, you are so good and so kind to us. So full of mercy, God. And grace that never runs out. Lord, would this morning be a reminder to us that there is no worthy substitute 
to give our worship to or to have on the throne of our heart. Lord, help us in those times where the feelings aren't there to still choose you, God, to still do do our work and raise our children and all of these things unto the Lord. Our reasonable, logical worship unto you, God, for your goodness to us, Lord. God, I pray you continue to speak to us this week, Lord. We just want to hear your voice, God. Lord, I pray that we would clear away the clutter (laughs) that's in our heart, God. That we would clear off the things that, just all the junk that we've just stacked on the throne of our heart that doesn't belong there. Jesus, we need you. And nothing else and no one else will do. You are so good. And we are so grateful, God. We're so grateful for who you are, Jesus. Speak to us today and help us throughout this week. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name.